What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest and greatest in the world of martial arts. It is Thursday, October 25th, 2018. Kayla is out this week, but I have a special guest. She is my favorite East Coast reporter coming in from Long Island, New York, the amazing, the wonderful Miss Carrie Steller. Hey, how are you? I'm great, Gabriel. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It has been a while since we connected. So for fans who don't know, Miss Carrie is also an MMA reporter. She has been, she has collaborated with me. If you guys watch me on MMAandKitch.net on YouTube, she has been part of several videos. We've been friends. Um, How long have we been friends, Carrie? I want to say long- we're a little... A long time now. I, I think, hmm, oh my gosh, now, now going probably about, I'd say close to two years. It's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, time flies when you're having fun. Um, We connected, I think, uh, through, I believe, Kayla, which everybody knows on the show, obviously. Yes. Um, So yeah, we've been friends a while. You do great work. You've been in the media a long time. You've worked for several different outlets and you still continue to so you know your way around the fight game. You've trained. So you're always one of my favorite people to talk to about fights. And I know you're very knowledgeable. So oh, I know you, you and I are going to have a great show. Always, always. <laughs> All right. So, Carrie, today's episode, The Curse of Madison Square Garden. Oh, this one is ever going to end. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm actually a little happy that we have a New Yorker to talk about this. But that is not going to be the top story today. It was until yesterday morning, Carrie. Yes. This one, I really don't even know how to (laughs) how to really explain like what it felt like to read it. But the UFC is close to finalizing a trade that would send former flyweight champion and pound for pound great Demetrius Johnson over to Asia in one FC in exchange for their semi-retired Still technically welterweight champion, Ben Askren. Carrie, I mean, what are your thoughts on this news? Because this is unheard of. I was just going to say that. It's so unheard of uh, trades in mixed martial arts. That's something you usually hear of in baseball or football or basketball. Like this isn't the NFL. Yeah, it's a little shocking. (laughs) Um, It's exciting. Uh, I know that one FC did just sign uh, Eddie Alvarez as well. So maybe they have, I mean, my thoughts is that they have some kind of, uh, they work together in some way. You know what I mean? How could they not, if this is the new thing that's going on, maybe we'll hear of a partnership or, you know, not a partnership, but maybe we'll hear of something uh, where they're more linked up than what we all think. Yeah, I mean, to me, I've been, look, 1FC has been doing very well for years, obviously, yeah. because they don't have an English broadcast, even online. It's very tough for fans in America, obviously, to get into it, but they have a lot of very respectable talent. And the thing I always say about Asia is similar to these guys who go over and play basketball. You're talking about one of the largest demographics and audiences one of the largest countries in terms of populations in the world in asia whether you're talking about china and these other places so when you're talking about mma 
look, just the same way, like, you could go over to, a- look, so you're not in the NBA. You go over to Asia, you could still become a very wealthy, very popular star in this country that just has as many, if not more passionate fans than in the United States. Also, I've heard that they are working on possibly a new English and possibly American TV broadcast in 2019. So with the Eddie Alvarez news, I'm not surprised that they're starting to make power moves. But to do this with the UFC is just really shocking because when you look at Demetrius Johnson, 11 title defenses, you can make the argument that he is the best all-around mixed martial artist in the world today. Absolutely. His striking's fantastic. He's got wrestling. His jiu-jitsu is off the charts. And the UFC is sending him over, respectfully, for a guy who said in November last year that he was retired. Um, Carrie, what do you think about those specific fighters that they're sending over, specifically? Well, I mean... <laughs> It's it's really funny how many things that are kind of, in my eyes, unheard of that are going on, specifically with these fighters. Okay, so you have Demetrius Johnson, who just lost his title to Henry Cejudo. I can't pronounce his last name correctly. Um, And it's really what strikes me with that fight. It was a great fight, a great fight for Henry. However, it is very few and far in between that the UFC will change a title unless it's by a landslide. You know what I mean? It, they don't usually do that, um, especially not on a split decision. It was really shocking for me in that respect. I was pretty taken aback by that. Um, so this, in that respect, isn't really shocking me. There's a lot of stuff in the UFC that's been going on lately that it really doesn't surprise me. And, you know, one FC having, what didn't they just have... Um, Henzo Gracie fight. So it's really for me, I just see a new, a new avenue in the sport that hasn't been there and new things that are being tested that haven't been tested before. And I think it's because they're trying to make stars, you know, more stars and more stars with the lack of, uh, you know, Ronda Rousey and, and, and the Conor McGregor stuff. So they're, they're pretty desperate for, you know, a mainstream star. That's why I think that this is going on because I think that, you know, Ben Askren, everybody knows who he is, at least, you know, all MMA fans do and we do. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense in my, in my eyes, in my opinion. And honestly, I'm shocked that he's never, you know, it's, it's always been shocking to me that he wasn't in the UFC. Uh, he's an amazing talent. So it was always a little shocking, but uh, I, I'm excited, you know, and I, I, I'm hearing that it actually happened and it went through but that's also the rumor mill on the internet, so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm kind of waiting on them to announce it. I'm, I'm waiting for Dana White to tweet it out before I say, yeah, they did Me too. fax all the paperwork. But I, I do believe it's going to happen. Everyone involved and close to it is saying that everything's pointing that way. Carrie, I, I agree with you with the Demetrius fight. I think that you had a great argument for a trilogy, which would have headlined one of these cards coming up. Um, so the fact that you're hearing about them sending a guy of Demetrius caliber is shocking. But Carrie, to me, I think that the biggest sign is that, look, we know as great as Demetrius is, there are guys and girls who click and there are guys and girls who no matter what, just don't. Demetrius Johnson yep. 
has never been a guy who clicked. They have tried. Absolutely. They gave him pay-per-views. He's been the co-headliner to, on cards with like guys like John Jones to help grow his star power. He's gotten his own pay-per-view events. He's headlined, I think, probably the most Fox or FS1 cards of any fighter. And mm-hmm. look, the fact is, his pay-per-view numbers are the worst. You know, I believe the cards that he headlined were, by the numbers, the worst performing. And look, it is what it is. Some people, you know, click. Some people don't. Um, on this show, we've talked about a lot of reasons. Why doesn't it? And there's a lot of reasons. I think it's the competition. People don't feel like he's actually being threatened. Obviously, Cejudo is mm-hmm. different, but that's more recent. Some people think his personality, he's a little too laissez-faire. And so yeah. if it feels like he's not pumped up for it, why am I going to get pumped up? All of that, and Absolutely. yeah, and then also just maybe sometimes that's just who he is, and that's how the fight game works. So there's a lot of little reasons why he's not a bigger draw, but I think mm-hmm. to me, Carrie, what that really says was that UFC looked at the situation and they said, at the end of the day, as great as you are, DJ, as much as you've accomplished, this is a money-making business. And Absolutely. Exactly. And as great as you are, we feel like at this point in time, there is more money to be made short term and possibly long term. Short term for sure. Long term, possibly by bringing in Ben Askren that we're willing to let you go to Asia. And I think that says a oh, lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look at look, the direction that the UFC has gone in in the last, I'd say, three, four years is really telling of this whole situation and of that, that money talks. And really, I mean, I don't want to sound like a jerk and not nothing else, but money talks bigger than talent recently, you know? Um, when you see who they bring back, you know, that, that uh, uh, Brock Lesnar, who was super inactive and, you know, failed his last, uh, te- his last test with USADA after his fight with Mark Hunt. You know, they were more than willing to bring him back. Like, there's just, it's a money game. And it's really disheartening, especially when you see, like, uh, Stipe Miocic getting passed over for a rematch. Why? Because he's not a big enough draw. Is that what their whole hang-up is? Because it's ruining, in my opinion, it's ruining the sport. Uh, to me, I think that it's it's getting hard to get invested. And I think that the UFC is putting themselves in a deeper catch-22. The biggest example was the Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley. Uh, Colby, mm-hmm. they, okay, look, let's say like it is. UFC, they did not expect over half their champions, I think 9 out of 11 or 12, when they needed to headline that September pay-per-view, everyone was either booked, injured, or had just fought. Yeah. So Tyron Woodley was one of the only healthy guys, and when they were like, hey, Colby Covington can't fight, UFC, after everything, interim title, they send him to the White House. He takes the pictures with Donald Trump. That makes this- Which is what he really wanted. That was his biggest end game. Yeah, and look, I mean, think about this. They sent the interim champion, not the undisputed I one. Know. I and know. they go with another fighter for the title shot. Why? Because at the end of the day, UFC has a pay-per-view. They need to sell tickets. And they were just like, you know what? I know we just uh, promoted Colby. We got to switch it to plan B. It doesn't matter. Throw Darren Till in there. 
good fight, but look, you know that the plan was to have Colby. I think that says a lot about the Catch-22 because now it's like, well, how important is Colby Covington really? Like, he went to the White House. Well, he must not be that good if he's not fighting the real champ. Now it looks bad. Absolutely. So absolutely. I mean, look at what they did with Joanna and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, butcher her name. Shadara. Oh, Sayer. Yeah, Sarge. Uh, they what they did with that was just really disgusting. You know what I mean? That was that was just so. I I still can't believe that that went down the way that it did. And it was funny because somebody said somebody was commenting about contracts and about that. Oh, oh, when, uh, when, uh, what's his name? Uh, when 50 cent wanted to take over, uh, Khabib and everybody was like, Oh, Khabib, has was a contract. I'm like, yeah, well, these days they don't seem to freaking matter when it comes to the UFC. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, look at, go, go back this year and look at how many fights were scrapped. Not because the fighter was injured because the UFC decided they didn't want that fight to go through and they wanted something else. Why? Because everybody wants to see you and, 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 uh, uh, Valentina go at it I mean it's it's like around four or a fourth match technically because they fought in Muay Thai three times but everybody wants to see it so they screwed over this young lady for that and it's really telling and it's actually really scary and it said to me I I don't know if I was the up-and-coming fighter I might go maybe I shouldn't sign with the UFC maybe I should sign with somebody that you know wants my talent and not my face or my name yeah once again it's a catch-22 because the ufc brand it, i always say ufc is the starbucks of mma you can have Absolutely. a perfectly respectable little coffee house maybe you even have a good cup of coffee that might actually be better than your regular average just plain straight black coffee at starbucks it's not mm-hmm. Starbucks. The brand, Absolutely. the power, the machine, it is apples to oranges to say, well, look at what Bellator is doing or look at. And I think that's one of the struggles of this is like, hey, that brand is so big, but at the same time, their business is different. Bellator can afford to be um, better with their people. They don't have as many, you know, things to worry about business wise if they can afford to change an event from a pay-per-view to tv ufc does that it is a complete you know things really got to get bad so now um with this one i think it just is a sign that you know to talk about ben Askren now like look demetrius if you're talking about maybe a few years ago maybe ben Askren, maybe you have a little more for me Ben is a more of an X factor because, yes, he's great. I would argue that he's one of the best guys right now to have never fought in the UFC. Um, mm-hmm. He's not Fedor, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not saying all that, <laughs> but he is up there. How, no, he's definitely yeah. up there. However, he's a guy, he's been very vocal, and he said, look, I'm good friends with Tyron Woodley. I'm not going to fight him. And quite frankly, mm-hmm. I don't see Tyron losing that belt anytime soon. So it's kind of like... Yeah, neither do I. After his performance against uh, um, uh, Darren Till, I actually thought maybe Darren Till could be the guy, but Tyrone Woodley's got this. He's got a really great uh, stylistically. He's he's fantastic. He knows to he knows what he needs to do not to lose. And there's something huge to be said for that. Yeah, but then it's like, so where is Ben Askren really going? Like, 
I see. don't know. Super fights? <laughs> I mean, look, you could give him as many welterweights who are not named Darren Till, but then you kind of, once again, catch 22. If these guys are not going to fight, then what are you really getting out of it? it isn't that the point? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, Brian Ortega, he's a star because you can possibly get him to the championship. I love him. Yeah. Ben Askren, if he's already got a ceiling... Th- that's where it gets iffy. Also, he said he's already retired. He wants to leave, you know, while he's at the top. Well, how mu- how invested are you really that we're losing Demetrius Johnson now? Um, So mm-hmm. all of that to me is very confusing. Obviously, DJ, I think he gets a good end of the deal Um, when it's all said and done. Because if he'd already reached his ceiling in UFC, well... He's got more money, possibly more, because now he could be the star exclusively in one. He's fighting for the flyweight title. Got to imagine immediately. And um, look. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't. It's crazy. Yeah. And then with his uh, with Twitch and all that, you're possibly talking about just becoming a bigger crossover star in Asia compared to what he was getting here in America with UFC and where he was at. so Absolutely. But Ben Askren, I think, is the bigger question mark because it's like, well, where, how far can we really go? Um, before we move to our next story, he was calling out um, Darren Till on social media, which also confused me, Carrie, because uh, Darren Till is supposed to be moving up to middleweight. Ben Askren is supposed to stay at welterweight. Like, what's going on? I kind of feel like he's just making noise. I feel like he's making his presence known, and it's like that's this this deal is that close to being done that he's just you know he's saying shit to get his name out there in, in the world of the UFC. Not that people don't know who he is, but he's got to make his noise. Um, I personally feel like money talks, and if they offered him enough, yeah, he'll fight uh, um, Tyrone Woodley. Why the hell wouldn't they? At the end of the day two friends could possibly put on a better performance than two people that don't even like each other. We've seen that. Um, So at the end of the day, I kind of feel like if anything, he's just making his presence known and calling out who, you know, maybe he's calling out Darren Tell after, you know, Darren Tell was disrespectful to his friends. I don't know. But what I can say is the the, the prospects are exciting. I mean, in my personal opinion, I talk about it all the time. I think they should almost just make, a whole super fight division. I know that sounds crazy, but here's your belt. You want to fight for money? Here you go. You know what I mean? Like you win the fight, you get a belt. It, it's it's kind of silly to to put divisions and people and you know uh, uh, title contenders on hold for somebody that doesn't really know what they want to do or you know is adamant about not doing certain things at this point. Like that's great that he doesn't want to and he has you know he can make those decisions, but at the same time, it comes at the cost of other people. Yeah, um, you know, because that title run is worth a lot more than than a regular fight, and especially you get a fight on pay per view. Well, then you get you know pay per view points. You're getting into so much stuff, and people don't really people don't realize that there is a major difference in pay scale when you're fighting for a title. Yeah, it it really is true, and I think it says a lot. Um, on a lighter note, I was talking about this um once with an other coworkers. Um, and I don't want to name them because I know how they, the fighters themselves would take it, but they said, <laughs> what are the conversations like when, uh, Ben Askren talks to Tyron Woodley about fighting him and Tyron Woodley saying he doesn't want to fight. They said, Ben Askren is texting them like, bro, I'm just going to take you down and hold you there. Chill. And I was like, 
And I'm like, you know, because look, that's Ben Askren's game. He isn't a, he is no Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He is an elite level grappler. He is um like Habib. He gets you down and he will keep you there. Yep. And he has done that to a lot of good guys. Um, Before Bellator got their new talent, he's beaten everybody there. Lima, Andre Koreshkov, what have you. Yeah, this is a high level guy. Now the question is, can he take on more consistently? When you look at the top ten, Bellator does not have the skill level I think in the well their welterweights the way the UFC does. So now he's taking more yeah, consistent no, guys. Can he still produce? Can he still perform at the same level against these guys who know his game and have more weapons? They tend to also be, I think, a little more athletically gifted at the top. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the real question. But yeah, look. absolutely. And you know, I, I, honestly, at the end of the day, I think that, and I've, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, him and Khabib, him and Khabib, that, you know, could be a very big potential um, uh, catch weight super fight that they could, you know, be thinking up. And co- who knows what they're, you know what I mean? The UFC is so unpredictable these days, in my opinion, that it's like anything can happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anything can happen in the UFC. I just, it, it, it's, it's, Things shock me, and then they don't, because it's like mm, I feel like we're just seeing a really weird direction with them, where I'm kind of not shocked by anything. But yeah, no, back to Ben Askren, I definitely think that uh, I think he'll hold his weight. I think he'll do really well. Um, but I mean, I don't know. You know, you put him against a George St. Pierre, and that might be an issue. Yeah. You know, George is an elite. He is an elite, and that's not even that's that. I don't even think that describes him. Yes. That's completely true. No, I agree. No, really. That was always the fight. It's like Ben. I, I don't know if you could do that. Even if they didn't throw strikes, they were just trying to grapple. I don't know if he could do that, what he does against GSP. So, No, I, I don't think so. I don't think he could. I don't think a lot of people can. I think he's GSP is just an elite athlete. He's at a different level uh, mentally and physically than most people. You know what I mean? I don't I, he was such a dominant champion, you know what I mean? And 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 I I get I get his frustration with the UFC. I get the UFC's frustration with him. I understand all of it. Yeah. I understand he wants the money. They want to see him fight more, but he wants to take some more. I get it all. I mean, and you know what? What does that guy have to prove? He's done everything. Exactly. I mean, look, we could look, we could talk about this all day, but look, I think the big thing to pull from this is like the door is open. If the circumstances are right and you can make this happen, there's a chance that we're going to see some trades. I don't think they're going to be as major. I think that you got to have a piece like Ben Askren. I don't think that every MMA company is now suddenly about to say, hey, we'd really like Mackenzie Dern. We'll give you this guy or this girl. And UFC is not about to do that. But if you really have one of these guys potentially or girls in the future, the door isn't closed that something happens when you really want it to. So I think that that kind of is a sign of the times that are changing. And especially going into 2019 with the ESPN deal, which I think is really going to change how people are getting the sport. I think that you really can't undervalue what something like this happening, how it can affect the business. So a lot of stuff. Carrie, let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was this place 
I think you might have heard of it. It's called Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and there was this company. There was this bald man with a big voice. It is not the time for the end of the story, but he told <laughs> me, or he told all of us, he wanted to put a big event in this Madison Square Garden. But there was a catch. No matter how many warriors he sent to this building, they all couldn't stay. Carrie, Luke Rockhold is out of the fight with Chris Weidman. This is now, I believe, the fourth or fifth big major change to the main card since it was announced. Instead, Chris Weidman fights Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Still a great middleweight fight, but definitely another blow to the card. I mean, what are your thoughts on losing this one, especially so late in the game for MSG after everything that we've heard? To lose, to lose Luke Rockhold? Um, I mean, you know what? Everybody's going to want to watch Chris Weidman fight. Everybody wants to see him back. At least they replaced uh, Luke with Jacare. Yep. Um, I think that was a really, really awesome, awesome thing for them to do because, you know, Chris has been out for a minute, and I think that I, I, I think he's pretty much itching to get back in. So to see them, you know, give him, still give him a fight, I, I like that. And I think that everybody in New York, no matter what, is going to turn out to uh, watch Chris fight. Um, I would have loved to have seen that rematch. You know, I was really feeling a, a big Wyman win there. Um, I don't know. I, you know, a lot of people want to know if it affects the fight game. You know, does it affect his game plan? I don't, I don't know. I kind of think as a mixed martial artist, most of them are ready to fight, you know, whoever they put in their weights. I mean, what, it's a five-round fight anyway, so. This one's three. Is that going to make a big difference? No, he's training for five rounds. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. we still have that, you know. So I kind of feel like it's not going to make a major difference. Uh, I still, you know, I was leaning towards Chris with Luke. This, I'm a little like, I don't know. You know, Jacare's no joke. Um, super talented, both of them are. But there's a big curse on 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 anything that goes into Madison Square Garden. Shit, New York has a curse on it when it comes to UFC. Yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, you would know. I mean, you've been waiting for them to get there forever. Uh, for me, um, when I saw how many injuries they said Luke had, he had like one knee was injured. He broke his nose, and then he hurt the other knee, and heard that it's like you know what let's be honest i really don't want to see luke fight if he's that injured you know i don't want to see him just get walked over by chris because he can't throw anything and can't take any shots so i it sucks because i was really looking forward to that fight i think that it would said i think it was going to set up something for the middleweight division moving forward after whitaker and gastelum handle business next year uh, to me, though, um, this fight, I think that when you're talking about Chris Weidman and look, there's certain fights that, you know, you're going to have to really get after it in training. Luke Rockhold is one mm. of those guys. There's an argument that he is the best middleweight in the world stylistically. He's got so many weapons, athletic. He's very tall. He's got that just very different build for the weight class that really has gotten him out of a lot of trouble. Uh, the thing is, though, with Jacare, he's so stylistically different. I, I'm not saying that Chris Weidman is a slouch on the ground. He's great. But when you're talking about preparing for Rockhold, you're probably preparing for striking. Jacare is completely different. And that, I think, will be the adjustment 
Jacare, he was preparing for David Branch, who, you know, mm-hmm. really powerful guy, but I wouldn't say is technically on the level of Weidman on the ground or standing up. So mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a tough one. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be close. I still would favor Weidman just because, you know, he was preparing for just an absolute just wrecking machine in Luke Rockhold. And I think that just, he's just more well-rounded. I think he's got the youth on um, Jacare. I think he can hel- hold his own size-wise, which is something oh, I yeah. don't expect. Like Gastelum surprised me, for example. I think that that one... Jacare wasn't expecting it. I think that Chris Weidman, mm-hmm. because he's bigger and more powerful, it's going to be different. Uh, Carrie, let me turn gears real quick. Luke Rockhold, he was saying he wants to move up to 205. Instead, this one comes together. Do you think that he's still going to take one more fight at 185 when he comes back, or do you think that he's going to recommit to light heavyweight? I think if any fight he takes at 185, it'll be Weidman. Uh, I think that will be his, if he takes the last fight at 185, that'll be it. Uh, and if not, I see him going back, going up to 205. Why not? I mean, why not? You know what I mean? It's, first off, everybody wants to see that rematch. Everybody wants to see Chris and Luke go at it again. So I could definitely see, even if he doesn't take the immediate, you know, fight at 185 and doesn't take it against uh, Wyman and goes up to 205, that's a potential, that's just a potential super fight in general. Yeah. So, I mean, I could definitely see it happen, happening of him moving up, and I could see that being just a storyline in the future. The thing to me that I always felt was that it was Daniel Cormier and Luke Rockhold, even though he's not at AKA officially anymore, he still is mm-hmm. great friends with DC. So I think yeah. that there was that mutual respect. I think that's why he didn't move up to 205 when they talked about Alexander Gustafsson and why he Mm -hmm. hasn't taken a different fight since then at 205. That being said, you know, you kind of get the feeling that by the time Luke does make his debut and would be in line for a title, that DC probably isn't even going to at least be in the division, if not retired already. So I think it's like, why not at this point? If you know he's not there, it's not going to be awkward. Well, get yours. I mean, DC has had his time and he's walked away of his own accord. It's not a starting a beef with your teammate, your brother. So I think that's always been the thing. And that's why, similar to Joanna fighting Tisha before moving up to flyweight, I think that's what mm. Luke Rockhold was doing by facing Weidman at this stage before he moved up to 205. So that, to me, yeah. is it. I think that he will move up to 205. Now, if things get more complicated, then why not stay at 185? Uh, he's never fought either Whitaker or Gastelum. That if he could win mm-hmm. another fight, you're talking about it's not out of the question. Luke Rockhold sneaks back in for another middleweight title shot. I think that could be a lot of fun. So he's got options, but I would lean more toward 205 right now. Absolutely. And, you know, I've been saying it for, I don't know, since last, maybe around maybe since February that I feel like uh, Weidman's going to go on another title run. And uh, I feel if he, if he's successful in this fight, you know, he's going to make a case for that. And again, you know what? He's a fan favorite, not just of New York. People love him. So, you know, and the UFC likes their money and they like their ratings. So they're going to go with somebody that they know people are going to want to watch. 
Respectfully, um, on Weidman, and look, I'm I gotta be careful because you're not just from New York; you're from Long Island, like he is. So, I'm- oh, that doesn't matter. I have I have so many friends that fight that I'm like, don't even get me started on Bellator 208. That's that's, <laughs> what, that's what they all say, and then I'm getting DMs like, "How dare you say that, Gabriel?" No, you know anymore. me. You'll never get that from me ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. Well, my- I had friends of mine fight that I said had no business being on Bellator. <laughs> Damn, you're just cold. <laughs> no. And those are my friends. I'm like, why are they fighting on this? But there were people that were offered fights, and I'm like, they don't have any business. People on Just Go Pro had a, a loss off of their last amateur fight. It just makes no sense to me. Damn. Well, no, I mean, I'm glad That's that you. True. I'm glad that you're honest, though. I appreciate that. Um, but my thing, oh, you gotta be, and you gotta be objective. You know, people are gonna catch feelings, but that's their problem, not yours. Well, I'm gonna say this: when you're talking about Weidman, the thing that really gets me, um, he's been out a while, and I know he oh, said yeah. that, uh, you know, he's feeling better, but I, I almost feel like I need consistency out of Weidman. I understand injuries happen, but at a certain point, it's like, are you about to become the Cain Velasquez of the middleweight division? You know. That is what yeah. I worry no, I about because it's been different injuries. And at a certain point, it's like, bro, you are also getting a little older and the middleweights are only getting bigger and faster, et cetera, yep. et cetera. That's yep. my thing. I need to see Weidman back consistently before I say, you know, he's still a top five, top 10 middleweight. You know, he could still make a run. I need to see that he could stay healthy. That's what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Be- absolutely. But if he is, I mean, because also his performances, I give him a bit of a pass because when you look at it, he lost to Rockhold, Romero, um, Gegard Musasi, who we're going to talk about later. Those are tough guys. Very few guys can fight all three consecutively and mm-hmm. actually win one of the three. That's how good those guys yeah. are. So it's not a absolutely. knock on Weidman, but the numbers are what they are at the end of the day. He's got to come back Absolutely. and he's got to win. That's my, so no, that's he, he needs to. But the funny thing is, is he does need to win. And especially to get a title run. Even if he loses, I will put my money on it that the UFC still gives him fights. They love him. Yeah, this is true. And he was big for them getting to New York. So uh, he's got a bit of a pass. But once again, he's got to perform for sure. Absolutely. But I mean, to get a title run, definitely. But they're never going to cut him. Chris Wyman could have 80 freaking losses in a row and he will not get cut. He's like a golden boy from Long Island for them. And he's eight, <laughs> he brings in numbers. You know, you put him on a New York card and that card gets sold out. So it does. Um, I, I don't see them ever cutting him unless he retires. But I don't, yeah, I think he does have to perform and get it quite, a, you know, I'd say two or three wins before he could go into a title contention. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. My spidey senses are telling me something's going to happen with him. I love another New York reference out of you. I want you to know it's one of my favorite. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things I want you to know on the air. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to our next story, because I know we've been on, you know, these have gone on a little long, especially with the big one, because there's so much debate. This one a little lighter. That's all right. That's in gone- go on for hours. Yeah. Well, hey, we're not, hey, I'm not Ariel Hawani, you know. We can't be on the air all day. That, that, that Lies, man, you know, of course you can. He wakes up on Monday and he says, look, I'm about to, this is my full 12-hour shift right now. But, yeah, um, he's one of the hardest working in the business. Like, he is. Him and, and Joe Logan's pretty hardworking, too. I definitely, uh, 
I have a lot of respect for those guys. You know, they, they, like you said, that this is, this is what they do all day long. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. But then that, that is why. And then we're the, we're the future. It is, exactly. <laughs> Joe, Ariel. We are the future. You guys could call in sick. I got you. It's no problem. Yeah. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to the, our next story. This one, I'm actually very curious to hear what you have to say. Kat Zingano moving up to 145 to fight Megan Anderson at UFC 232. Super excited. New Year's Eve, a big one. Um, obviously, Kat has been a bantamweight contender. Wait, what night is that fight? New Year's Eve. It's not the night before. Or Well, not that. I mean, technically, the New Year's Eve event. So, yeah, the Saturday, I think, okay, New yeah, Year's yeah, Eve, yeah. Sunday. It's, it's usually December 30th. I was like, no, don't tell me to change it at PFL, PFL. Oh, yeah, because that would, oh, man, that's going to be a crazy weekend. I would cry. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be there. I would cry my eyes out if I couldn't see both. Awesome. So, go on. But, yeah, so, look, Kat, bantamweight contender, the last woman to beat Amanda Nunez. Now moving up to 145. She was struggling. She is coming off, I think, one or two wins. But um, yep. obviously, Megan Anderson, someone you are familiar with, which we will talk about why yes. in a second. But featherweight <laughs> contender, she lost her debut to Holly Holm in UFC. But this one obviously is very strategic. If anything happens to either Cyborg or Amanda in what's expected to be the co-main event, then one of these women can step up and step in for that fight. Uh, my question to you, Miss Carrie Steller, do you have a preference for either Megan Anderson or Kat Zingano to get the shot in the co-main event if something happens? Well, um, we've seen Megan's ground game. Um, uh, well, I mean, she. we've seen that she doesn't... I don't want to say she has a bad ground game because I don't feel like we got to see anything out of her. You know, when I spoke with her, she said, uh, you know, she felt like um, Holly Holm was literally just holding on to her at best and holding on to like survive. Uh, when you have a powerhouse and this Holly Holm's a boxer, you know, she's a decorated boxer and kickboxer. So for her not to want to trade hands with Megan definitely says something about Megan striking. Um but what I did see was that Holly Holm couldn't do anything and advance any kind of position or even make an attempt at a, a submission on Megan, right? Yeah. So Megan's got him on the ground. Um, I think it could go either way in the fact of, you know, you have stylistically, Kat is, Kat is a powerhouse. She's got good hands, but she's got, you know, she's got a great ground game. You have Megan, who we haven't seen her ground game, and she's got great hands. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it could go either way, but if it gets down to the ground, I don't think that she's going to be, I don't think she's going to get submitted. I think she's, you know, she she can handle uh, having somebody just lay on her. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's what Holly Holm virtually did for, what, 15 minutes? Yep. To me, the... More, more than 15 minutes, 25 minutes, she just laid on her. I mean, literally... It was like, ugh. To me, the big one with this thing is that it's going to be at 145 either way. Let, let's say hypothetically that Chris Cyborg is the one who um, is forced out of the fight. I can't see... It's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't expect it to either. Hey, remember that what just happened with Darren Till, everyone was like, Kamaru Usman, backup, backup. And in the end, Nico yep. Montano needed the backup. And they were like, well, you see, you were focusing on the wrong person. Mm -hmm. Anything could happen. So I want to give... Oh, absolutely. Let me give Amanda Nunes her respect. I do... Yes. 
most likely people are expecting that something happens, it will be Amanda who doesn't make it. But, you know, like mm-hmm. once again, anything could happen. I don't see hypothetically if Chris were to pull out that Amanda would go back and make it a bantamweight title defense against Kat Zingano. I just don't see that. She's no. been training the bulk up and stay at 145. Unless they were to announce that... It would have to be a... I mean, it would have to say at 145 for title contention at that, you know, but if I was her, I wouldn't even take it. Uh, I would just reschedule the fight. At this point, Katzengano, if she were to pull out tomorrow, that's the only way you would... Or sorry, if Chris Cyborg were to pull out tomorrow, then you would maybe make it a bantamweight fight. But, at you know, if it gets Absolutely. late, she's going to stay at 145. It would just be stupid not to. In which case, I think it's got to be... But she's fought at 145. People don't know that. Amanda Nunes has fought at 145 before. True, but I think... Not in UFC, but she has fought at 145. So she does have that potential to bulk up. You know what I mean? And to get there. Yes, but I think at 135 is just her more natural weight class. And that really plays right into my next point with Megan Anderson. The reason I and many other people, I'm sure yourself were excited, was that Chris Cyborg, the reason she is so good, besides her skills, her size and physicality, she is just that much goddamn bigger and stronger than everybody else she fights. And even when these girls are tough, talented, skilled, that power just is on something else for these women. And that really is the difference every time out. Megan Anderson is young. Long, lean, powerful. She's one of the few women in the world at 145 who can match Chris Cyborg's physicality. That is why a lot of people mm-hmm. were hyped up about her. Um, I see Megan Anderson getting the call. All respect to Kat Zingano, but I think that when you're talking about a 145er that you want to build into a star. Oh, it- it'll go right to Megan Anderson. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that I can't see, look, I can't see them going with Kat unless it's something like Amanda says she wants to fight with Kat back. I think that's the only way. And even then UFC would be like, we're not giving you Kat. You're fighting Megan or you can look like a chicken and not take either one. Yep. And I mean, not for nothing. I, I don't, I, 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 Megan is a talent. She's a great chick. I can't see her beating Cyborg. Uh, not at this stage. I can't. She wasn't ready the first, you know what I mean? When Chris was calling her out after she won the Invicta title. She wasn't ready. Like, you, are you kidding me? You just, you're not ready to fight the best woman in the world? Like, bitch, you better be ready. Like, this is your career. If you're not prepared to fight the best, maybe you should find it out. I hate to be, I hate to be harsh and I hate to be mean. But in this world, if you want to be the best at what you are, you got to go out there and you got to fight the best and that's it. I mean, there is something to be said for knowing if you can or can't but like the statement she was making was just a little foolish in my personal opinion and it made her look like is she gonna be ready probably not well uh and i want to ask you about that because um, i'm gonna say why you are one of the great experts to talk to but talking about this one let's because we don't want anybody to get injured we want everyone to show up we want amanda chris champion versus Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about just stylistically Megan versus Kat Zingano. Um, it's about the size of Megan and the power compared to, I think, the maybe more well-rounded attack of Kat. Yes. For me, with yes. Megan, um, I think that Holly Holm is a better fighter than Kat Zingano. That being said, I think that Megan has improved a lot of her ground game. I think that she's worked on it. I think she learned a lot from that fight with Holly. 
And I think oh, that yeah. when you incorporate the size and the power, her skill set once again, I think that she is going to be able to stop Cat from getting her to the ground. And I think that she's yep. going to be able to do what she needs to use her physicality to do damage on the feet like she has so many times in Invicta. Cat, I just feel like she hasn't fought somebody of at that top level in a while. And I think yeah. that when she's been trying to step up, she's just hit that wall. And part of that is just a fight game. I think part of that is just her style. And, you know, just I know she's had injuries in her career. I think oh, she's been dealt a shitty ass card that poor. Thing. Yeah. And I think that Megan just has too many things in her favor in this fight personally. I agree. I think Megan's going to take it. Um, I, I would love to see Megan show off a little bit of a ground game, but I think it's going to be a strike in clinic for Megan. Um, I think you're going to see some clinch work because I think that's what, uh, if I was Kat and if I was her corner, I would be, you know, telling her, you know, kind of not follow Holly Holmes's game plan, but, you know, look at what that did for her. Yeah. So, and you know what Megan is capable of. So pressuring her, you know, up against the cage, some clinch work, what might, you know, work out well in her favor to get her down to the ground, but can she? Yeah. That's like, I mean, well, no, look at, look at, um, Chris Tyborg versus Yana Kunitskaya. Yep. Nobody thought that anybody would ever get Chris Cyborg down to the ground. Well, she did, and that didn't work out very well. For exactly. So that's why everybody's, oh, Amanda's going to do this, Amanda's going to do this. Dude, you're talking about a freight train coming after you. Like, good luck. Yeah. Well, Chris Cyborg is huge. She is humongous, and she trains with Gabby Garcia, who is even bigger than her. I feel like that. I think it's cute knowing that they're best friends, to be honest. I love it. I love it. When I interviewed Chris, she talked about that, and she was so funny. She was like, when I interviewed her, she said, you know, Gabby, I said, oh, you guys are such good friends, and it's really great to see that and that camaraderie because you don't really see that often. And she said, she's like a big kid. You know, she said, she's, she's like, you think I got bullied? Imagine her. She's a woman. She's very big. And she said, but she's just like a big kid. She just wants to laugh and make people smile. I'm like, that's awesome. Uh, I agree. But also, you know, talking about your interviews, you've actually spoken with Megan Anderson. If you, when you find it on newsstands, you actually interviewed her for Inked Magazine, um, the women's yes. issue. So, girl power. It was actually for Freshly Inked Freshly Magazine because there was two different magazines. Yep, I just want to clarify. Freshly Inked. So, my apologies. But yeah, Freshly Inked. Which makes sense because Megan Anderson, I think that pound for pound, she has the best tattoos in MMA. But um, yeah. I mean, Carrie, talk to me about your conversation with Megan and just what you gained. I'm, I know you guys talked a lot of ink, obviously, but you know, you're both you're no, MMA, actually, and just talk to me about it. We do, we um, well, the 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 things with the thing with fighters, uh, especially when you're doing a magazine interview, it's a little bit different than a telephone interview or a video interview. Uh, you send them the questions. And the problem is, is that I sent them the questions to send over to her, but they didn't send me the actual interview. Oh. So I don't know how she answered everything, but I can literally read you all the questions. And it was, I mean, it, I couldn't have, I couldn't have asked better questions. I nailed that. I nailed that shit down. It was mostly MMA stuff. I said, if anybody wants to ask her any tattoo stuff, have somebody else, you know, maybe write in a couple of things about that. Cause I don't know enough about, tattooing to ask her about that uh so i centered around her career um her career in she was she's not just a uh, mma fighter she's um 
think she was in the Australian Army. Yep. So we spoke about that. Does that, you know, did that help her career? Um, excuse me. So uh, how that came about, I was at the tattoo convention and um, Lou knows knows who I am. Tattoo Lou, Lou, uh, Lou uh, Rubino. He knows who I am. So he reached out to my PR guy, uh, Mr. JP Draft, and asked him, you know, would she write up this interview? And I said, yeah, but you have to give me full credit for it. Um, I'm not going to do anything where my name's not, you know, going to be credited. And I, I simply said, you do that. <laughs> I'm going to take you to court for plagiarism because I can literally pull a bunch of articles that I've done and, you know, show the similarity. And I can, I even emailed the thing to myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a smart chick. <laughs> so I figured, let me go with the smart chick role. Right. So I asked her all these MMA questions and I actually really, really need to get a hold of this, uh, copy wherever the heck it is um because i really would like to see how she answered them um in her you know her words and her opinion but when i spoke to her in person so this is what we could speak to speak about because i actually did speak to her in person at the tattoo convention um eddie gordon who uh truck i don't know if you i'm sure you know who truck yep. is he's a pfl fighter ex-ufc fighter uh ultimate fighting champion runner-up all sorts of shit great guy guys great. yeah so uh, I actually brought him over because he wanted to meet her. So I brought him over to her and um, I said, oh, what, what are you guys doing here? And we told him that I had a booth and then the girl's going to her booth. And she goes, you're an MMA reporter at an ink thing? I said, well, you're an MMA fighter at a tattoo. <laughs> we both had a laugh. She was getting a tattoo done and that's why she was there. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. Something Tofi, something weird like that. Um, she had this really wild uh, piece added to her her thigh, because she's got one on the side, so she added it to the front. Yeah. Almost like to her oblique. It's a beautiful, beautiful tattoo. Um, and uh, she sat there for like eight hours. It was really incredible. I said, I, I went over to her. I'm like, man, you are a champ in the ring and a champ out. Like, dude, not many people could sit for eight hours without one break. You know what I mean? That's that's very, it's very hard. I've done it only because I tell them, if you stop, I'm not going to want you to finish. So you better just keep going, you know? And that could have been her mindset as well. But we did speak about the Holly Holm fight. And uh, she, you know, she said she she said that she felt like Holly, you know, just laid on her and survived it best. And I said, well, you know, if you if you look at the fight and you look at the first couple of exchanges, uh, you know, where Megan threw a couple of heavy, heavy shots at her. And I, <laughs> I think she even got a few kicks in there. Uh, it looked to me like Holly didn't want any part of her hands. And she laughed and I said, and that's coming from, <coughs> excuse me, a decorated boxer and kickboxer. And she said, exactly. So I know she was training really hard and going back to training um, for, you know, her next fight, but she didn't know what it was going to be at that time. Um, they shot her for what was supposed to be for the cover of the magazine. And it ended up being, it was supposed to be the cover of the uh, September issue. Yep. And they ended up changing it and putting her in the magazine for the women's issue that was supposed to be October, November, and it didn't come out till like a week ago. So I would call that like the middish October, November. Um, so that was a little disappointing for me uh, to see them not put her on the car. I feel like it was a really foolish, and I, I, you know me, I'm going to talk very openly. I don't really care in the fact that we're reporters. If you don't like what I have to say, maybe you should come contact me and talk to me about it, Lou Rubino. Um, because at the end of the day, you told the girl you were going to put her on the cover. You decided to opt out of it because you couldn't get your issue done. And that was their problem. That magazine, I wrote that interview back in July. That's why I'm kind of like, eh, about it at this point. I wrote that back in July. Yeah. And it was supposed to be in it. Yeah. And he was like, go get it in by the end of July so we could get it in for September. 
So I had that in, I think July 21st is when I sent that over. And, you know, they couldn't get clearly couldn't get their magazine done and whatever they needed to get together. So they, you know, switched focus and put her in it. But you know what? The way MMA is and how mainstream it is and how she's she's known. She's known by a lot of people. It's not like people don't know who Megan Anderson is. A lot of people know who she is. MMA fans are not. So I feel like that was foolish on their part. And I feel like they really could have made a name for themselves in, uh, you know, the tattoo world of, you know, maybe getting more fighters and more fitness inspired people into their uh, publication. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll be completely honest. They reached out to me and asked me if I could get them anybody else. And I had reached out to Chris Cyborg um, and we spoke. And it was right when she was um, adopting her niece, I believe that was her niece. Yep. That she adopted from over in Curitiba, Brazil. And uh, it wasn't fitting the time to get her into New York. And, you know, they said she just adopted a kid, you know, a kid. She has a daughter now. And, you know, she really doesn't have a lot of time between traveling. She spends most of her time in Brazil and in California. So I said, Lou, you know, you could possibly maybe fly her out. And he dropped the ball on that. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, the world's mixed because, fighters have tattoos but the ethic the ethics in both worlds are really different so mm. um you know it's it's i found a lot of really similarities and you know where they fit in and where they don't in the last two years since i've been involved heavily in both communities so it's um it's really funny to see how things like that work out and don't but to see how you know th these people are known all over now, you know. But what was really funny, and I and I, I don't want to keep rambling. Nobody knew who she, who Megan was at the tattoo convention. That is, I mean, I feel like you'd have more MMA fans at a tattoo convention. If I'm being honest, no, there was more. There was more wrestling fans there because they had Gold Dust there and uh, Corey Graves and Summer Rae. So thank you. You saw I put a bunch of pictures of all of us up on. Uh, it was really great hanging out with them. They were really awesome. They were really great people. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, great guy. Corey Graves, a little full of himself. Nice guy. Summer Rae was awesome. So super cool. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a gimmicky thing. Had they promoted that she would be there more, it probably would have gotten a bigger buzz. Um but I didn't find out that she was going to be there until the day before the first day of the convention. I forget who, but somebody reached out to me and said, you know, Megan Anderson's going to be there. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> and uh, I looked and I said, oh, that's how they promote that, you know, a famous UFC fighters. Okay. Um, and not well, even, hey. you know, former, former Invicta featherweight, you know, women's champion. So it's just silly, but you know, that's, that's, if it's not their world and it's not their road wheelhouse, so to speak, you know, it's not going to be the, the first and foremost thing on their mind. And that's just how I see it. You know, it's, this, this is what we do, you know? So I'm not, I actually just got asked to interview a wrestler and I kind of was like, okay, I guess like, you know, <laughs> that's pretty much what my reaction was. Cause it's not my wheelhouse. Like, yeah, it's cool, but it's wrestling, you know? As exactly. We need it. We need the, yeah, we need things to be as real as it gets. That's what it is. Yeah, I wouldn't even interview Ronda Rousey at this point. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about that. I think we could still make that work, but I hear you. No, I don't think I would because I just don't feel like there's. she does it from what I hear. 
and this is just from what I've heard because I have a couple of friends that um, work for WWE and like that, you know, more in the PR. Yeah. And they said she won't even talk about MMA. So there's really no point in anybody that is involved in mixed martial arts trying to interview her because she won't even talk about it anymore. I mean, that's a whole nother segment for another day, but I, I yeah. have kind of touched <laughs> upon that. Um, but look, let's get right, uh, right back on track, though. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there is an interview with Miss Carrie Steller in Fresh Link magazine yes. with featherweight contender Megan Anderson. So check it out. Look for it on newsstands. Um, who is on the cover of that one? I looked it up and I can't remember her name. Uh, hold on. Let me look. It was... Um... It was a tattooer. It was that not even a she had orange hair, no? Yeah, let me see. It that oh, it bothers me that they I mean like you're gonna put a tattooer on the cover? Like, come on. Um let's see, let's see, let's wow, that was way long ago. Where oh here we go. Oh, uh Megan Massacre. Mm-hmm. I don't really know who she is. I feel like I've seen her in one of my friends took a picture with her actually not too long ago. I don't really know who, who um, Megan Ma- Massacre is. I'm assuming she's a tattooer. She's got a very cool name, if I may say so. Oh, absolutely. I feel like I feel like I personally have met her somewhere, and I can't remember where. I know I have because I know that name. Unless it was just somebody else that used the massacre name. I don't know. That's the worst. It's funny. It? It's funny because. Uh, I tried out for Wimp to Warrior, not to change two wheels too fast on you, but I tried out for Wimp to Warrior, which is heavy in the UK, and they found they were founded by Richie Cranny over in um, Australia. Excuse me. So I went to try out, and uh, I had unfortunate a uh, couple things come up that I can't do it. Uh, fortunate and unfortunate. So I'm going to be doing next season. But anyway, when uh, <laughs> when we were there. And they said something about a black widow. And I thought they were talking about a pool player whose nickname nickname is the black widow, but they were talking about uh, the Marvel uh, mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson's character. And yep. uh, I said, Oh yeah, Jeanette Lee, she's awesome. And they're like, what? And I'm like, Oh yeah, she's, she's like one of arguably one of the best pool players in the entire world. And they're like, you play pool like competitively. I've been to Vegas twice. I just canceled a trip to Canada. Um, I was supposed to go up there and play for the border battles. And they're like, really? They're like, what? You, do you have a pool name? I'm like, well, my friend calls me the pool beast. <laughs> I <think> it's beast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I got my own little name. <laughs> the very eclectic career of Miss Carrie Steller. I think I do a lot of stuff, people. I, I have many levels to me. <laughs> you have almost as many layers as you do tattoos. Right? Yes. I feel I, I agree with you. Yes. I do agree with that. For fans who I've done it all. For fans who don't know, because, you know, obviously it's not her picture on the thumbnail, but Carrie does have a ton of tattoos. I think she's, uh, I've tried to think of a fighter like on par. Like, I think you have more tattoos than Jessica Andrade. And I know she's got a bunch. And um, Definitely. Yeah. I have more than Beck Rawlings. I have more than, yes. uh, I'd say I'm probably up there with Ashley Evans. She's got a lot. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of different tattoos in different places, so it's not like I have one huge piece. I have a lot of pieces that I may connect one day and make them into bigger ones. I don't know. Um, You know, the sky's the limit in tattoos, and, you know, beautiful thing about them is you could get them, you know, lightened up and lasered off if you want to change it up and do something else, and that's kind of what I'm in the process of right now is uh, I'm going to change up my sleeves, so... Uh, I'm taking, I'm lightening two tattoos on my sleeve to make it what I really want it to be, which is, I don't recommend you getting a shitty tattoo to get it lasered off, but the opportunity is there. 
There you go. Well, certainly we'll post some pictures. <laughs> that way we can have the fans understand what we're talking about. But we're not oh, done absolutely. with our show. We are not done with our show. We got a two more segments. Remember, um, getting us back on track, Miss Carrie, Edgard Musasi, already considering retirement. He spoke to Luke Thomas on the MMA hour, and he said that he's got three fights left on his Bellator deal and that he might call it a day when he completes them. Uh, Gegard is only 33 years old. Um, Kerry, to me, the thing that is surprising is that he is easily at the top of his game right now. The Mm -hmm. best he's looked in his career. So for, you know, you kind of get the feeling that if he wants, he's still probably got another few years where he's probably going to be one of the top guys. So for him to say that possibly in 12 months, maybe with change, maybe even less, that he might be done with MMA, I think that surprised a lot of people. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, as surprising as it was, I've spoken to him and uh, he, I've spoken to him in an interview at one of the, one of the uh, Bellator pressers. He's very intelligent. He's very smart. He's a very business-minded man. Uh, and I can say that from speaking to him and listening to the way he speaks and what he speaks about. And he was very business-minded. So, you know, if you want to continually make money and not just with your hands in business and, you know, go forward. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, he's only 33, but this might be a very uh, smart move for him to stay, you know, to keep his wits about him, stay healthy. He's got a family. You know what I mean? So... Um, I can't see him doing it. Uh, hold on. Bless you. Times two. Three. Ah. You know, they say that's when you're going to (laughs) get. One more. (laughs) Okay. I don't know about that one. I've always heard that when you get all three, that means that you're three bless you's, which means you're going to get money, love, and one more. I just always forget what it is. Money, love, and then the the one for uh, good measure was my fourth. There you go. <laughs> one for good measure, but yeah, no, he's very, very smart, and he's a really good businessman. And I think that uh, if anything, this is a business move. It's not just, you know, just because he wants to retire or a soundbite. I think he um, he has plans, you know. And 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 as much as we all want to see him, you know, fight more and move forward, uh, at the end of the day, there might be another thing out there for him. You know what I mean? To me, with Gegard Mousasi compared to the other guys, um, first off, he has an argument that he's one of the best middleweights, if not the best right now. Um, I think it's really unfortunate that we never got to see him take on, like, the big three, like Whitaker, Rockhold, Romero. Mm -hmm. That would have been just exciting and fantastic, and I think it would have said a lot about where was Gegard Mousasi at the end of the day. Um, But for me, the feeling I've always gotten from Gegard is that For example, Tony Ferguson wants to fight people. Um, Who else? I love Tony Ferguson. DJ Dillashaw wants to fight people. I don't get the impression that Gegard Mousasi wants to fight people. I think that he is passionate about his sport. I think that he is passionate about learning and the martial arts side of it in a lot of ways. That being said, yeah. I don't think that he has that, and it's his personality, and it's not a knock on him at all, but I don't think his ego works that way, that I want to actually fight every single guy who you might think is actually better than me, or who I need to fight to prove I'm the best. And he mentioned that in the interview. He just doesn't think about that. He doesn't think about where does he 
stand in the history of the middleweights and all that. And I think that that's why. And I think that when you talk about it, it's it's like, you know, if he wants to leave while he's on top and his ego doesn't work that way, it doesn't bother him. And I think that, okay, if that's really who he is, then by all means, go for it. It sounds like he's doing it from a very analytical standpoint, like you said, a very business-minded thing. And let's say like it is. This is my next question. Um, He talked about he's taking on Rafael Lovato Jr., Lyoto Machida, and he'll have one more fight in there um, to finish it off. You would think that assuming Ryan Bader, who's right now favored to beat Fedor and possibly become the new feather, sorry, not featherweight, the new heavyweight champion. I would not be shocked if he won. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are favoring it for good reason, but you're talking about yep. Ryan Bader. Is he going to want to use his wrestling to fight Czech Congo next year and try to defend that belt and what's going on? That I can't say that Gegard Mousasi is going to try to push to maybe fight Ryan Bader for a second Bellator title at 205. I think that that one... I just don't think that's really in his goals. I'm sure it's been talked about. I'm sure he's considered it. Oh, yeah. He knows it's there. But once again, listening to him, I don't think his ego works that way. That when he beat Rory, I said, look, the fight to make probably outside of the tournaments is probably going to be Gegard Mousasi versus Ryan Bader. I don't think that's on the table anymore. And from what I've heard is that he really is leaning toward calling it a day when it's done. So. I think that says a lot about just his who he is as a person, how he approaches mm-hmm. it, and it's not a bad thing. I think it allows him to stay very relaxed in there. But I think it's a you know, look, I'll say it like it is. I kinda wanna see him fight more guys. I wanna see how great he could really be if he keeps going, but I understand yeah, like knowing to him going too. Yeah. I understand knowing him, where he's coming from, why he would choose to walk away. Absolutely. And you know what you gotta you got to respect it. When a guy knows that, you know, maybe his time is coming, there's something to be said for that, to knowing yourself, knowing what you can can't do. Not that to say that he can't, but, like, if you know yourself that well and you're like, you know what, it's time to hang it up, I respect that, man. Because I see people where I'm like, shit, this dude should have hung it up a minute ago. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and you hear that all the time. Oh, why is it, when, when are they going to, you know, I do. I hear people all the time talking about when is he going to hang him up? When is he going to, so... You hear people questioning when, but then you have a fighter that's saying, listen, I'm probably going to hang him up soon. And, you know, you see a lot of people go, well, why? Well, you know what? Why not? If that's what he feels. And, and, and like you said, he's a, he's a very business-minded man. He's a very intelligent man. Uh, I don't think that he does things that are just like because people want him to, or to prove anything. I think he does, you know, what's best in, in his best interest. So uh, I think there's something huge to be said for that. I've always said it like this. I've said it about um, Bisping. I've said it about Ronda. If you don't want to be out there, I don't want to see you out there. No matter how much fight you may physically have in you, no matter how good your skills are, if you don't want to be out there, I don't want to get invested in having you out there, respectfully. If you said you want to go home and live on the prairie or go fishing or go painting (laughs) like Bob Ross or something, you know what? That's go, awesome. Go live on the prairie. I love you. Yeah, go live <laughs> Go live your best life. If you don't yep. want to be out there, just say it and it's all good. I never will say, man, you should have <laughs> come back for one more. If you know that. Well, reflect. Yeah. If you know genuinely. Reflects. Look at Ronda Rousey. You brought yep. it up right there. 
she did not want to. I don't think she at all wanted to come back. Yeah. So uh, I really don't. Go ahead. I no, I don't think she wanted to come back, and I don't think she should have. I think she should have just. She didn't need to prove anything to anybody at that point. You know what? So what? You lost. Oh well, she didn't have to come back and fight Amanda. I think that there was a lot of convincing uh, in that. To be honest with you. I think that um, it was probably a payday she couldn't walk away from at the time, too. I mean, mm-hmm. like, look, if you know you had the physical capability, I mean, I know she felt a certain way about the business, but the fact is she was still the girl. And look, I mean, uh, I think if she felt that capable physically, which I think she really was, I think physically she didn't skip a session at the gym. It was just, it you looks know, great. Yeah, but look, it is what it is. And like I said, with Gago Musasi, his ego, I don't think, is that he's not wired that way. Where he's like, "I need to beat these guys that you think might be better." No, he's not. You can tell. Yeah, and he's so cool, calm, and collected. And that's what lets him walk away. He's like, "I don't need to fight Ryan Bader. I don't need to make that yeah. fight happen. I don't need to prove it to anybody." And I think that's why he's that's why he's saying he's out, which is fine. And you know what? That's what it amounts to is 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 pr- proving. Like, what do you have left to prove? You know what I mean? Like. I, I, I really do agree with that. And that's like how I feel about George St. Pierre. George yeah. St. Pierre has nothing left to prove whatsoever. Agreed. So moving on, I think. It's, I think it's. Yeah, nothing to prove. Nothing. And I think Gegard is trained with GSP, which just makes a ton more sense when you think about it. Not shocking at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. D- does not. That would not shock me. <clears throat> stylistically their attitude it's no would not shock me at all and, and you know what I, I and i have a great deal of respect for both of them so i feel i just as much as i want to see more out of gay guard it, it, i if that's his time like you said I, if you're not into it i don't want to fucking waste my money watching you fight you know what i mean like i don't want to see somebody that doesn't want to be in there yeah, exactly. So I think it's I think it's just a good move. And as much as I as I would have liked him, Brian Bader, two oh five, I just don't think it'll happen. But look, he's still got some good no. fights and who knows, maybe Bellator will be like, you know what, you could all right, yeah, that's the end of the contract. We'll pay you a lot of money if you want to get in there with him. You know, let's You never know. Let's get let's get paid. I mean, anything could happen. Miss I could Ke- see that happening. Yeah, Miss Carrie Stellar, it is the best kind of weekend. It is a fight weekend. We're not quite in New York mm-hmm. yet. They're making a pit stop in Canada at UFC Moncton. And Carrie, this one is flying under the radar. It shouldn't. I think it has a lot of potential to win a award next year in terms of the end of the year bonuses. Vulcan News Demir, Anthony Smith, Light Heavyweight Collision, Two knockout artists, two guys who bring it, two guys who are known for putting people down with one shot. A lot of fun. What are your thoughts on this fight? Uh, you know, like you said, I think it's being slept on. And I think that happens a lot um, with the UFC, especially with one that's like an in-between card, in-between a big one and after a big one. You know, it kind of get, uh, gets lost in the shuffle. Um I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm excited to, you know, have another fight weekend. I that's it's to me. I've been itching for a UFC fight weekend. And you know what? I, to be honest, I'm probably one of the only people in the world that like looks forward to the undercards because sometimes, sometimes some of the UFC undercards are just like fire. Yeah. You know where you'll get you'll get a, a main card that's like all right, you know, but you get that undercard that's just insane. But this card has some great fights on it. 
You know, oh, I can't wait to. Oh, gosh, I hope Michael Johnson beats the shit out of Artem Lobov. <laughs> um, you know, it's really, yeah, I'm not a fan of him. I, I, I am disappointed that there is only one female fight. And I just looked this card up the other day because I was like, I just want to see what's going on. Um, wow, they could be twins. Um, <laughs> there's only one girl fight, but uh, no, this, I'm going to butcher his name, but Nasrat Hakpasart, whatever. Yep. Could be Kelvin Gasolin's fucking long lost twin brother. They talk, they had something. They said that his nickname is like Baby Fedor, and then someone else said, "No, nah, he's the grown up Gasolin." I mean, really? Well, I was just like, wait, did they just say the wrong name and put the wrong picture in? No, that's right. Yes, wow. Yeah. And you know what? I think I've seen him fight before and been like, and just like not even thought about it because maybe I thought they were the same person. That they look so much alike. They do. That's crazy. Um, that's crazy. I think one, um, I'll say like it is, I think they should have kept uh, Zubaira to fight Artem. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll say like it is, as great as Vulcan and Anthony are, if you had kept, after everything that happened at 229, if you had kept Zubaira. But I think that's why they're yeah, not. If you had kept Zubaira to do that, people would have pushed their plans back. There would have been a ton of people who pushed their plans on a Saturday just to watch that co-main event after everything that happened. But UFC's making their decision, which I was like, uh, I feel like that's a moot point now. But okay, you know, we're getting Michael Johnson. I love you, a moot point. Nobody ever uses those words. Oh, you're articulate. I just love oh. it. I love it. Oh, thank you so much, babe. No, you're welcome. Like, most people don't have a, uh, an extensive vocabulary and wouldn't even know what that meant. So uh, I love that. Um, that's besides the fact. It, it, <laughs> it means that college degree sitting in my office, I actually earned it. I didn't just sleep through class. And Facts, and I never went to college, but that says I read a lot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she reads <laughs> but no it's one of those things but yeah look um michael johnson uh he says he's ready he says it's short notice and he's gonna make weight and bring it so i like that i think that artem um i don't know if you're a big basketball person have you heard of brian scalabrini um i am not a big you know this is really crazy i don't really watch sports um i never did as a kid the only thing I really watched was a little bit of hockey because, um, you know, there was fighting in hockey. So I kind of liked the brutality <laughs> of it. Um, yeah, I'm that person. Uh, I did start out watching. I actually think I watched coinciding growing up. Uh, wrestling and boxing okay. was kind of my thing. And then when I found MMA and, and UFC, I was like, oh, it was your jam. With that so never, yeah. never any Knicks, Yankees, Mets, none of that. Uh, who do you have? I know you're, damn, I know you're a hockey team. I'm just not thinking of it. But none of that, they, they just never caught the bug for you? Um. Well, it's just none of it's really vile enough. I did a little hockey when I was younger. There you go. So it was kind of like it would kind of annoy me to watch it. But you know what? Then I grew an appreciation watching it live. It's a whole different ball game. Yep. And, you know, like I did a little fighting growing up. So for me, I trained a lot, and but didn't unfortunately get to compete. But we all know that. We talked about that. Um, I can watch it and I could sit there and I'm like, wow, this is, you know, I like spectating sometimes. Sometimes I like it better than uh, reporting. But anyway, uh, no, I never got into sports. Like everybody's like, oh, yeah, I think I actually <laughs> – I remember when starter jackets came out back in the day. <laughs> Do you remember yes. those? Um, and I only had one because I wanted a starter jacket. 
mind you, I didn't watch sports. So I ended up getting, because I like the colors, Miami Dolphins. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a fucking Dolphin player if you paid me. Dan Marino might have been one. That's all I know. That's it. Somebody was talking about, oh, gosh, who did they bring up in baseball the other day? Somebody brought up, they were talking to maybe Aaron Rodgers. Is he a baseball guy? No, he's a football player. They, I don't fucking know. They were talking about some baseball dude, and they're like, oh, you don't know? You don't know who that is? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you don't watch baseball? I'm like, listen, unless it's a UFC, Bellator, PFL, Glory, and I went down the list. Unless they're a fighter and they punch people in the face for a living, chances are I'm not going to know who All they right. are. I know wrestlers before I real know quick. them. And, real quick, um, real quick, real quick. Yes or no? Just on these two, yes or no? You're from New York. Do you know who Derek Jeter yes. is? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, everybody. He, 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 only because he banged Cameron Diaz for a couple Oh, years. Lord. <laughs> Sorry, I hate to say it. I hate like to say it, but that was when she was in Charlie's Angels and she was the shit. She's like the star of the Yankees of your generation. <laughs> what about Patrick Ewing? No, I kind of know who he is also because I think my cousin was a big fan okay. of him and like every girl wanted to date him. I, don't, I never found a fancy with him. I always thought he looked weird. What, Wasn't my What about type. Patrick Ewing? I only know him because he's like this really big basketball yep. player from... <laughs> back in the 90s maybe and he played for the Knicks and I know that because I might even have a Ewing jersey in my fucking closet I know I have this is the thing I don't watch sports but I did have a Lakers jersey growing up because it was really cool and the colors were dope I still still are by the way (laughs) I colors are great uh have them somewhere I don't know where it is and I did have a Knicks jersey and I might still have that somewhere in my collection of actually I know I do somewhere. Uh, Not okay. Mike. I definitely do. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. I I had the gear. I was that poser. I had the gear, but like I didn't watch. <laughs> okay, you know what? Credit for admitting it. That gets you saying, okay, you know. <laughs> right. It's, it's kinda like bullying yourself before the other kids can get you. All right, we get it. Yes, I'm gonna put it out there. I'm a fucking poser when it comes to sports, except for MMA. Okay. And you know it's funny because I don't rock I don't rock fucking tap outs or you know what I mean? Like I don't need <laughs> I know it's like I, I actually go I don't need to wear the shirt also to prove that I'm one of you but here's my point um Ga- yeah. Brian Scalabrini for fans you know like Miss Carrie who may not know NBA player he is most famous because on the internet there are a ton of pictures and memes and they'll call him the goat the best of all time that LeBron looks up to him as inspiration and Kobe and Curry and mm-hmm. he's the greatest player in the history of the Chicago Bulls and other stuff like that. And Brian mm-hmm. Scalabrini, in reality, he is, um, I, I want to say he played for other teams, but he is most known for the fact that the Boston Celtics, I think in their, was that 2008 team, mm-hmm. they played every single player during that series to win the championship. Except Brian. Everybody that is hysterical. The but the internet will tell you that he is the greatest player of all time. And the thing is, everybody is in on the joke. And everybody says, oh, my <laughs> God, he's the best player ever. Like, oh, yeah, he used to light him up. He used to. When he went out there, Jordan sat down. And people will say the most <gasps> stupid stuff. Carrie. That is how we're going to talk about Artem Lobov. I expect Canada and Moncton to talk. When he walks out, they are going to cheer loudly. They are going to call him the GOAT. 
They are gonna call MVP even though MMA is not that kind of sport. That is what it is turning into with freaking Artem Lobov. He is so bad that the internet wants to say he's great just to make it funnier. <laughs> I love it. I actually think it's hysterical, especially when you see an MMA fighter being uh being taunted on the internet like that because it's like well, do, you know, do these people realize this guy could probably kick the shit out of them? You know what I mean? So it's like very funny in that respect. I got, I, I, I respect all these fighters. I really do. I would not be surprised if when people. P.S. I just found my jerseys. There you go. You, you need to post. You need to send me pictures. Um, I'm going. Yeah, to. But my thing with Artem is that he's such a cult figure now with his relationship with Connor and everything else going on that I I don't even know how to really describe like the I, I, I just think that people are underestimating just how much attention he's going to bring and that's why it was such a faux pas to not keep Zubaira because it would have been just ridiculous Insane. that people probably would have been excited for it for the wrong reasons um well, that's why I think they didn't, because I think they, I mean, first off, to even talk about a rematch the way they are, it's so silly. Yeah. Um, Connor lost that fucking fight on his feet. He lost that fight on the ground. He didn't have a snowball's chance in hell, uh, not even in Alaska. <laughs> you know what I mean? That guy didn't have a chance. And everybody was like, oh, he's going to be I'm like, listen, you people are crazy. If you think. He's going to be, look at what Nate Diaz did to him. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just, it's not going to. So, all right. So you take that, right? Mm-hmm. So they're talking about the rematch. What what bothers me, not because Conor McGregor lost, I really could give a shit less, is the mayhem that their whole lead up to that fight. Conor McGregor's a racist and he's a prejudice and he's always been. The shit that he said to Mayweather was disgusting and everybody laughed it off because, oh, it was a boxer. Well, you know what? He was. He was literally chopping down, you know, Mayweather with his words. And, but the things he was saying, you can't. In any other sport, you'd be fined and suspended. You'd be fined and suspended for saying everything that that man says. Because he, he literally, everything is a racist or prejudiced undertone. And it's not okay. What bothers me is that the UFC is packaging it and selling it. I don't care. Listen, you don't want to suspend a guy for being a racist piece of shit. That's fine. You don't want to. You don't want to find him for ta- saying prejudice shit, and they, you know, and mocking people's religions and gods and country and skin color and everything else that he's done. Not a problem. But do not use it to sell any fight, his next fight, his last fight. They used all of his racist prejudice shit to sell that fight. So now if they kept this fight on, people are still pissed. I mean, people that were... On Conor McGregor's side are pissed off that some caravan's coming to the United States. You know what I mean? It's like, what? Nobody, people are just so angry. And, and now that fight is a household name. I, I've had people talking to me about the McGregor-Nurmagomeda fight for weeks. People that know nothing about MMA and have never had any interest, but they're all talking about that. So you have an already riled up world, right? You've got everybody's already riled up and pissed off about a bunch of shit. So you're going to keep that fight on. And I'm telling you right now, it just, it, I, I agree with, I don't, I think that, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's, it's silly, but I definitely don't think that fight right now is a good idea. I think maybe, you know, after, you know, maybe people see Conor McGregor and Khabib Nurmagomedov, you know, shake hands and makeup. I don't know. And I don't know if it'll ever happen. Cause you know what, if you, 
somebody said this shit that he said about and to Khabib, about and to me, you know, a lot of people don't know I have a ton of tattoos, but I'm a really, and I won't call myself religious because I don't really believe in one religion, but I'm a very, very spiritual woman. And I respect so many faiths of so many different people. I have respect for everything. I don't care if you're blue, purple, Muslim, you know, Christian, uh, Jewish. I don't care. It, it, I respect it so much. And I do care. That's the problem. Because I care so much and I respect people's faith so much. That really hit me hard. You know what I mean? So it really annoys me when I see that. But I feel like if they could just mend that somehow make all those fights but right now the world is riled up and not in a good way and people were flipping out over that shit you know to me the biggest thing um i mean i think when you promote so when when you're not seeing many much disciplinary action this is kind of the the culture you cultivate and yes it's the fight business they're not playing they're not throwing the ball for points and all this other Mm -hmm. stuff uh, yeah, it's obviously it's very different. That's why the fans love it. That's why it's different from the other sports and competitive athletic competitions. But at the same time, when you're talking about putting something on TV, like there's rules to this. And I think the yep. UFC has kind of thrown too much under the rug that now you kind of see that visible lump. This is what we got. But um, no, yep. I, I agree with you. There's a lot. I think that it's just... I don't even know. I mean, I think that there needs it's to be cr- some it's more. It's really good- hard. It's a tough pill to swallow. It, put it this way. I mean, look, you can only say certain things. When you start bringing enough money, you can have your own whiskey or your own whatever, and you could get it on the canvas, but you, but you still can't be racist and prejudiced. Exactly. <laughs> you, you can't be saying stuff. You can't be throwing stuff at that'll break glass Well, when people are inside. You can't be jumping over the cage like too. you're, you know, like, you know, trying to fly like an eagle. There's a lot of stuff that I think they need to address. But- oh, big time. And if they had sanctions and they had, and I, 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 I like that the Nevada State Athletic Commission is holding them both accountable. Um, I mean, they're only halfway because, holding know, accountable. Khabib, they're, what, what? they're only halfway holding accountable. They gave Habib half his money. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're halfway holding him accountable and they're halfway holding both of them, right? They yeah. have to. They, they they suspended both of them indefinitely. They're both going to have fines and sanctions put on them. They have to set a precedence and they have to do it now that racism and prejudice has no place in mixed martial arts. And until Conor McGregor, it didn't. It didn't. When I went to uh, Bellator uh, at Madison Square Garden and what was it? Fedor. Was it Fedor? That was the main event. Uh, I can't remember who he fought. Matt Mitrio. Um, Yes, and they they did the Russian national anthem, and then um, what's his face? Dave Navarro came out and did our national anthem. Not one person sat, not one person got mad. We all stood for both of them. Conor McGregor comes along, and now it's fuck Russia and fuck Russian Muslims. Excuse my language. I'm sorry if I can't curse on your show. I don't know the rules of. uh, (laughs) I don't want to curse too much, but you know what I mean. It's like, oh well, to hell with that because he's a Russian Muslim. It's okay. No, it's not. None of it's okay. So the UFC has a job, and they have, honestly, in my in my in my humble opinion, uh, they have a responsibility. You know, they're the front runner in mixed martial arts. You can't package and, and and sell racism. It's just not okay. Well, you know what, Carrie, I do have some good news. We've got two guys who haven't really gotten in trouble. Vulcan News Demir's charges were dropped, so I want to acknowledge that. 
Uh, let's talk about this fight that we do actually have that we can get excited about. Vulcan versus Anthony. Carrie, the thing that a lot of people probably are sleeping on is the fact that depending on how things go um, between now and the end of the year, the winner of this one could well be challenging for the light heavyweight title. Um, depending on if DC were to retire, depending on if he fights Brock and just never comes back to 205, depending on what happens with John Jones and Alexander Gustafsson. But there's a good reason to say that the winner of this one and their name is not Cormier, Jones, or Gustafsson. They are the front runner in the light heavyweight division, period, uh, with the victory. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a reason to get excited. I think that's reason to say that they're going to want to perform well. They're going to want to look like a very appealing option. So, And when you're talking about two guys who are known for putting people down, that's a lot of reasons to get excited for this one. So I want to ask you, how do you see the fight between Vulcan and Anthony play now? Oh man, this is this is an exciting fight for me. I definitely have to go with that. Um, I've liked it since I saw it. I, you know, I'm a fan. I, I not that I'm not a fan of Anthony Smith, but I feel. Well, I don't. I mean, beyond the fact that Anthony, they're both super talented. You know, you got to take into consideration Anthony's experience. He's 30, 30 fights. You know, um, it's. I would say I'm leaning towards a Vulcan win. I'm leaning towards Vulcan winning. Good. Definitely. Yep. Yeah, I'm leaning to him winning. Um, I think if anything, it'll happen by TKO, maybe knockout. But I'm leaning towards him winning. It's not going to be an easy fight. You know, Anthony Smith is a talent, but I definitely uh, I'm leaning towards a Vulcan win. You know, for me, the thing that I see about it is you guys who I think that Vulcan Vulcan has learned from the Cormier fight. That being said, it's not going to mm-hmm. show in his offense. It's going to more show in his defense. But I don't think that Anthony's going to be the guy to really use that. I think that Vulcan, his style, is more to swarm you. Yes, he has power, but I think he's going to go more for volume. Anthony isn't a high-volume yeah. guy. He's really more loading up on big shots. Um, and he's mm-hmm. very like Thiago Santos, who he's fought. Not really a volume guy, but when he it's to put you down or to break something. And I think that he's got a he's been successful with that. I think his his kicks very, very powerful, can chop you down, can really have an immediate effect. Vulcan, I haven't really seen that he has the same weapon in his arsenal. So I think to mm. me what it's gonna come down to is Vulcan taking away the space of Anthony, maybe even risking it in the pocket. But I think that he doesn't want to stay in kicking range. I think he feels like at at that range that Anthony has more firepower. I think that Vulcan Mm. is going to want to close it off. And I think that the level of competition does really favor Vulcan Uzdemir. That being said, when you're Mm. thrown down like this, it could really go either way. There are two guys that even if you're fighting good for the first four minutes, they could catch you with that one shot, and it really was all they needed. Absolutely. Yeah, but so, then I could change everything. But I agree with you. I'm leaning toward Vulcan. I think that he's gonna. Uh, I think he's gonna just be able to land a lot of what he needs to do, and I think he's gonna avoid a lot of what Anthony's gonna try to set up on the feet, and he's gonna get the victory. So, mm. I'm. I'll go with it. First round knockout for Vulcan Uzdemir. They're two tough guys. It could go either way, but I do see it going Vul- for Vulcan in this one. 
I concur. Yeah, but I mean, look, it's going to be fun. I think, like you said, they've got a very nice undercard that people are sleeping on. So there's a lot of stuff. And then Carrie, next week, I mean, you're in New York. You tell me, how do you feel about them MSG? Like, do do you have the biggest party at your house? Do you hit up everybody and their mom to get you in there with tickets? Are you covering it? Talk to me about it. No, 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 no. I won't, I won't ever try to pull the, the, the getting tickets from a friend card. Cause you know what? These people got so many family members that like, you know, I'm not going to ask for a ticket, but, but, um, I could either go out or I could potentially, uh, have, have something going on here. Either way, it wouldn't have upset me. But, you know, it's it's New York. It's going to be a big card for everybody to watch. I know that. New York turns up for their own. So, you know, people are definitely going to be watching it. Um, so I'm definitely, definitely excited for that. I mean, the, the energy for the Khabib Nurmagomedov card was just palpable. And that's like not even – that doesn't even express how insane it was. I mean, it was – it was just crazy. You know what I mean? But, you know, people are really excited about Derek Lewis. And that, you know, that was like the last card that I watched at a bar in New York. And I mean, I've never seen people go so crazy for fights in New York like that ever. I mean, people were, it was out of control. It was really wild. And everybody loved Derek Lewis. So I know people are really excited for him. People are excited to see this fight. People are baffled by it too. Um, but I'm really excited. I, I mean, I don't care if I go out or stay home. I'm definitely going to be watching it. <laughs> yeah. I- hey, guys. So, unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties. But Carrie Stella wants to say it was an absolute blast talking to everybody on this week's episode. You can find her on social media at Carrie Stellar. That is K-E-R-R-Y-S-T-E-L-L-A-R. And also at In The Girl's Corner, all one word for her other social media handles. So definitely check her out. She's always bringing great content, especially being based out of the East Coast. We will be back next week. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV and have a great one. Bye.